Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good Wednesday morning. Asia Pacific shares are mixed this morning. Tokyo is down half a percent, but Sydney and Seoul are trading higher. The ASX 200 in Sydney is almost half a percent up, while the Kospi in Seoul is up one third of a percent. Investors appear to be exercising caution despite a solid session on Wall Street overnight. Joining me now to break down the market action, he is Ryan Huang. Good Wednesday morning, Ryan. Happy Hump Day, Michelle. And the same to you. We begin today with Singapore's banks, OCBC and UOB. Now, the two banks released their quarterly numbers this morning before the markets open, and the results look pretty good. UOB's net profits are up more than 40%. OCBC did even better. Its second quarter profits jumped nearly 60%. Now, both banks netted $1 billion or more during the April to June period. So, Ryan, what is driving OCBC and UOB's strong results? And are they simply coming off a low base from a year ago? Or is it more than that? Yeah, I've got a couple of things at play here. So, the common themes that are playing out is lower provisions. So, like expected, uh, with things getting better and the worst not really paying out as what they imagined it to be. So that avoids more provisions having to be set aside. They don't have to put aside more buffers or capital for loan losses. So they save on that allocation of monies. So that was one reason. And you also have another reason, which is um, better business, which is how more companies and businesses are just Um, transacting more. They are seeing stronger business momentum and that is coming through with loans growth. And that actually helped to offset the lower net interest margins. And just for a bit of context, if you look at net interest margins last year for OCBC, that was at around 1.68%, I believe. And now it's at 1.57%. So it's a drop of 11 basis points. And that is profit margins for the banks when it comes to loans. So that is something that was offset enough by loans growth. Mm. So something to keep in mind uh, where things are going from here. We are seeing a bit of momentum playing through, coming through in the quarters so far this year and maybe in the quarters to come. Now, last week, the Monetary Authority of Singapore lifted its cap on the dividends that banks are allowed to pay out, but it still advised financial institutions to exercise prudence in this area. So I guess the big question on investors' minds this morning is, how did OCBC and UOB react? How much will they be paying out? Yeah, good news if you're a dividend investor. You've got OCBC declaring an interim dividend of 25 cents, and that's a payout ratio of 42%, comparable to what it paid in 2019, and also, of course, higher than last year's interim dividend of 15.9 cents. UOB is paying out 60 cents per share, and that translates to a payout ratio of 50%. So, pretty much going back to where it was pre COVID times and riding the the global trend of banks resuming dividends. And this is being seen in the US and many other countries as well. Any more indicators on how OCBCs and UOBs bank dividends compare to pre-pandemic times? Okay, so you do have a very encouraging picture when it comes to dividends. They seem to be on track to um, going back to pre-COVID times. And we looked at OCBC, 25 cents per share. So that is very 
similar to where it was before 2020 in 2019. So it is on track if things you know, don't get worse. Of course, they can get worse with what's happening with the Delta variant. So that is one thing to keep in mind with the delicate situation when it comes to restrictions and lockdowns. It can take a turn for worse if you know, things don't get under control. Specifically in pre-pandemic times, OCBC's dividend payout ratio was 47% for 2019 and UOB with a dividend payout ratio policy of about 50% of earnings. So Singapore's biggest bank, DBS, reports earnings tomorrow. Analysts are expecting DBS's profits to rise, but not by nearly as much in percentage terms as those of OCBC and UOB. I'm going to keep a close eye on that as well as on its dividend decision. We'll also check in in a few minutes to see how investors are reacting this morning to OCBC and UOB's numbers. First, though, a look at Keppel and SPH. Now, yesterday, investors had their first chance to react to Keppel $2.2 billion bid to buy SPH's non-media assets. So Ryan, what's their verdict? How did the shares mm, do? Interesting picture because it's mixed. Uh, Capital, in short, was down. SPH was up. So Capital gave up early gains, that's worth noting, to close down by 0.7%. SPH was up over 2%. And of course, Investors have a lot to digest when it comes to the details of this deal. Uh, there is a cash component. There's also a component when it comes to uh, a payout in capital REIT shares or capital REIT units and SPH REIT units. In most acquisition bids, shares of the acquiring company initially drop while those of the target of the acquisition rise. So perhaps it's not a surprise uh, to see SPH up, Keppel down. In this case, though, we do also have shares of their REITs to take into consideration. Keppel REIT dropped 5.8% yesterday. SPH REIT closed down 2.7%. Ryan, why do you think that is? Okay, there is a possible reason here and and we pointed this out the uh, payout or the offer comes in the form of cash capital REIT units and SPH REIT units so with effects if this deal go, does go through it would mean um, the free float for these shares might increase so that means perhaps a bit of dilution down the road that people might be worried about but of course uh, you do have a lot of other factors at play so we can't rule out anything else as well. And it's also worth noting, um, DBS and CIMB, interestingly, have not ruled out the potential for a merger between these two REITs. So that's something to keep in mind as well. And this, of course, will form, if it does happen, the sixth largest S REIT. So something to watch out for in the REIT space between Capital and SPH. Still speculation for now, but if we did see the sixth largest Singapore REIT formed uh, from that potential merger, it would have a market cap of $6.9 billion. Now let's turn to China, where we have fresh indication of how Beijing's months-long campaign against the internet sector is affecting corporate profits. For the first time in more than two years, Alibaba's sale numbers have come in below expectations. From cloud to e-commerce, growth in most of Alibaba Baba's major business units slowed. So what's the latest here? Yeah, so it is a couple of things at play here. The pressure from the the industry clampdown, as well as rising competition from smaller players like JD.com and Pintuatua, all that eating into the pie for Alibaba. And if you look at the numbers, core commerce revenue for Alibaba rose around 35% to $27.8 billion. And this for the first quarter. And this missed expectations. And you also uh, have 
a slower pace of growth. This 35% compares to the fourth quarter growth of more than 70%. So you are looking at a very similar picture playing out like what we saw in Amazon uh, where it warned of slower growth post-pandemic where the boom times are over, the peak growth situation um, is fading. So that is um, also playing out for Alibaba. Jack Ma's Ant Group is also reporting a steep decline in profits, down 37% for Ant to 2.1 billion US dollars. The decline underscores the challenges that the company is facing since regulators thwarted its bid to go public late last year. Chinese regulators are also requiring that the Ant Group overhaul its business. Another company that is in China's sites is Tencent. And if we look at an article that ran in the Chinese media, it looks like Beijing may be preparing to go after the video games industry. Tencent shares fell as much as 11% before crawling back a bit to finish down 7%. So Ryan, tell us, are video games a spiritual opium? Well, that is the accusation from the Economic Information Daily. And it cited a student saying some of, it, some of his schoolmates played one of Tencent's games, Honor of Kings, eight hours a day. And he's calling for stricter controls over time spent. So eight hours, is that too much? Honor of Kings. <laughs> I have to try that out first. Yeah, so this is the thing, right? It's too much time being spent on games and it feels like or at least going by the article um, policy makers may be putting a focus on clamping down in this area and you have to bear in mind there are already restrictions being imposed by China's gaming watchdog so right now current restrictions gamers under 18 are mm-hmm. banned from playing online between 10pm and 8pm and they are restricted to 90 minutes of gaming on weekdays and 3 hours on weekends so 10 cent feels hey Maybe it's time to take the initiative and tighten the restrictions. So now they are going to limit it to one hour on weekdays and no more than two hours during holidays. And on top of that, it's even floating the idea of an outright ban for kids under 12. So it is a bit of a preemptive reaction perhaps to a potential uh, clamp down on the video games industry and like you pointed out it is already seeing ripple effects on share prices the Hong Kong trading was seeing 10 cents stock price down yesterday by over 7% and the ADRs overnight was down over 6% 8 hours a day is that after homework do you think that they're spending on these video games well it's probably eating into sleep time it's tough right Video games, as long as you play the right ones, can be useful. No? Learning as you play, gamifying everything. That's a in thing these days. Uh, I think, you know, some commentators say Beijing being quite proactive in this whole um, how much time do kids spend in front of screens and protecting sort of the digital infolution there's a there's a term you know information pollution and and young minds and where do you draw the line so interesting to see Beijing step forward here now despite the bad news we still have signs that overseas investors are loading up on Chinese stocks Bloomberg reports that international investors bought more than 3 billion US dollars worth of Chinese shares over the past five trading sessions via trading links with Shanghai and Shenzhen. If foreign investors continue to pour funds in today, it will be the longest buying stretch since March. Now time for corporate news and some more results both here in Singapore and the US. And for this, we turn to up or down. Who is going to win today? Ryan, uh, let's go. 
let's start with Robin Hood, okay? Yeah, it's a bit of a roller coaster for this time. And Robin Hood is riding this roller coaster. I would say it's an up. It's in fact up by 26% at one point overnight. And that is the first time its share price closed above its IPO price of $38. It's uh, around 47 plus right now. So interesting because day one, it was a big flop. Mm-hmm. So up for Robinhood, way up despite that disappointing IPO last week. Uh, investors poured into Robinhood shares overnight. It jumped more than 24%, which means that it blew past its IPO price. Next up, Under Armour. All right, Under Armour. That's an up for me. And earnings for the second quarter far exceeded expectations and in fact is raising its 2021 outlook. Mm-mm. Good for Under Armour. Sales beat estimates and its shares rose 6% overnight. So up for me as well. Ralph Lauren. Okay, so that is going to be an up for me. It looks like markets in the US and Europe are helping its numbers in the first quarter as these markets continue to reopen from restrictions. So same store sales apparently doing quite well. In fact, they're up by 108%. Well, so far, it looks like everything is up, and Ralph Lauren is no exception. Ralph Lauren beat Wall Street expectations for first quarter profits. Its same store sales more than doubled. Ralph Lauren shares climbed 6% in overnight trade. All right, let's turn back to Singapore now with property developer OUE. All right, I'm going with up here, and this is because it's recorded a net profit of 301 million dollars for the six months ended June. So that reverses the year-ago loss of over $200 million. But it's a bit of accounting here because it is in view of an absence of the fair value loss recognized on US Bank Tower last year. Yeah, up for me as well for OUE, which is back in the black. It's posting a $30 million profit for the first half of the year. Now let's look at Singapore Medical Group. Okay, so this is going to be an up for me as well. Mm-hmm. So it is looking at its net profit first quarter up 22.2% to $3.8 million. And it looks like more people want to look good. So more people going for aesthetics, treatments, LASIK, image imaging, uh, diagnostic imaging related services. Maybe it has something to do with people wanting to go out more or uh, wanting to look better on Zoom. So it's a sweep. All five entries in Up or Down today are up at the Singapore Medical Group's first half earnings, more than doubled on rising demand for those diagnostic anesthetic services. All right, let's turn uh, to Singapore now. We are 19 minutes into the local trading day. Now, we talked about OCBC and UOB earlier. So, Ryan, how are banking shares doing this morning? All right, let's start with OCBC. Both of them beat expectations slightly, by the way. So OCBC in the green by 0.7% at 12.32. UOB is up 0.8% at $26.06. And a quick glance at where we are for DBS, which is reporting tomorrow so far. No action yet. It is now trading at 30.21. And a quick snapshot of the wider STI. We have it pretty much split across the middle between green and red. Right at the top is Tybev, 1.5% in the green. Wilma is at 1.4%. And this is off the back of its unit in India looking for possible IPO. Right at the bottom today, you've got Dairy Farm down by 2%. So that continues to extend losses for dairy farm um, with the shopper supermarket frenzy fading. So looking at STI right now on a 
three-day losing streak since yesterday. Mm. Now, reversing some of those gain or losses is now up by 0.2% at 3,154. Thanks very much. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Asian stocks set for a cautious open today given China's clampdown on tech giants and, of course, the spread of uh, the Delta strain subduing sentiment. We'll take a closer look at the sell-off in Tencent shares. They dropped as much as 11% yesterday. Keep it right here with me on Your Money. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.